0: Welcome, I'm your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. Last week, we discussed conscious leadership and what it takes to succeed in high-pressure, high-growth environments with Kayvon Tucker, founder of Consciously. This week, it's another solo episode where I'm actually gonna share some thoughts about leadership. You may recall a few months ago, we had an episode about mothers in leadership, where I interviewed Daniela Rabbani, and in that episode, I mentioned that I took many of my foundational leadership principles from my mom. This episode is being published right before Mother's Day, and we're also getting close to the first anniversary of my mother's passing. So I decided to honor her memory by spending a little bit of time sharing her lessons in leadership and what I took from her. When I recorded this episode I had a general plan of what I wanted to say but I also wanted to be really spontaneous and so I just spoke. I'm going to ask you to forgive me if here and there it's not as tight as a fully written and scripted episode would have been. Enjoy. Okay so this is a little more difficult than I expected just getting started and talking about my mom and things that I've learned from her. So I'm going to start with something lighthearted which is not a leadership lesson, but it's something that makes me kind of laugh. I'm, I'm doing this episode in her memory on the eve of Mother's Day. And the reality is that my mom hated all this holidays, Valentine's Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day. She felt that the world tricked by companies to sell you chocolate or cards. And so I think ultimately she would be honored. But I think there's a part of her that's going, oh, no, why are you doing this? So being in a lighter mood. In many of my interviews, you've heard me ask the question, when you think about the type of leader that you want to be or that you aspire to be, what are some of the key traits? And so I'm going to talk about here um, a few traits that I try to apply or that are parts of the leader that I aspire to be. I'm not going to claim that I'm already the leader that I aspire to be and traits that I think are coming either directly or indirectly by my mom. So I'm going to sum them up before we get into it, and then I'm going to go through them one by one. The first one is the idea that there's nothing that you can't do if you apply yourself to it. The second is the idea that if you start any relationship with trust, and so assuming that the other person is going to hold up their side of the bargain, in the long run, you're always going to be better off. The third one is to value honesty and transparency above all and to create a space where people are encouraged and rewarded for their honesty. The fourth one is leaving service of others. The fifth one is take ownership and be persistent. Don't give up. And then the final principle, which sort of tied everything, and I think is the most important and most valuable lesson that I got from her, both in the way that I work with people and in the way that I lead my life with my family, was to separate the love and the long-term relationship and bond from the individual issues. So let's talk about there is nothing that you can't do if you apply yourself to it. What was really important is not the saying in itself, because the saying in itself doesn't hold a lot of meanings. It's kind of empty, I think, but it's how my mother applied it and what it meant to her. When I was a, a young child, and, and even throughout now, I was always a little clumsy, and I'm not necessarily the best person at doing things with my hands, whether it's crafts or things of that nature. But whereas in certain situations in schools or with adults, you know, children that did not have a, a, a talent were discouraged from doing it, whereas the ones who had that natural talent were highly encouraged. My mom's point was that, sure, you don't have the natural talent and maybe you will not build the perfect craft, but if there's something that you want to do, it doesn't mean that if you apply to it, you will not get to do it and execute it at a level that is acceptable and good for you. And that concept is a concept that I brought into my professional life and then I bring to the people that I work with, which is we all have strengths and weaknesses and in our weak areas, it's not about investing all our energy about becoming perfect in these weak areas, but it is about getting those areas and your skills at the level that you need them to do the work and the other things that you need to do, and then applying the remaining time and the remaining energy and becoming really good at the things that you're naturally gifted at. It also means that whatever problem you're faced You may not find the perfect solution, but if you apply yourself to it, you may be able to get it to a point where you get an acceptable solution. The second concept that I want to talk about is in the long run, you're better off starting from a relationship of trust and assuming that the other person is going to keep their end of the bargain. And another side of this is the idea of not micromanaging people. For my whole school career from elementary school to the end of university, there was an assumption that my job as a student was to maintain a certain level of grades and to complete my education. And that as long as I was on track, my mother was not going to get involved with checking whether I had done my homework, checking what were my assignments and things of that nature. And it was very refreshing, you know, as a junior or sophomore or freshman in high school, you know, to be in a situation where I could go home and have full control of my day and and how I spent my time and how much time I decided to invest in my homework. And I could see that in comparison to some of my classmates whose parents were checking their assignments every day and forcing them to study even in things that they didn't want to do. Now, I did pretty well at school, so I didn't really test what was going to happen if I had not performed, there were a couple of situations where, you know, things didn't go great and my parents got a little more involved. But in general, I felt that that trust that they had in me really helped me later on in my life and career. And so that is also something that I've tried to apply it as I moved you know, in the corporate world and took on leadership and management roles, trying to empower the people who work with me to come up with their own plan and then not get involved in the nitty-gritty details unless it is strictly necessary third principle it's to value honesty and transparency and create a space where people are encouraged and rewarded for their honesty so i'm going to share a little story of when i was in seventh grade i played a prank on on a professor we had those pool firecrackers you know firecrackers were like two strings and if you pull both strings they make a little crack and i thought it would be funny there was a professor that the class didn't really like very much i thought it would be funny to tie the chair to one end of the firecracker string and then a piece of scotch tape on the floor so that when the professor came to class he would pull it off and there would be a little explosion and he would get scared so The lesson started, the professor walked into the class. We were all waiting anxiously for this to happen. He pulled the chair and nothing happens. I had not taken to calculation that the scotch tape might just pull off from the floor. So a classmate of mine decided to take it into his own hand to make sure that this thing happened. And he went to go and told to the professor, pretend to have a question so that he could tape, you know, with his foot, press the scotch tape to the floor. So that the next time that the professor moved the chair, it would explode. Well, it turned out that the scotch tape had fallen off with the sticky side up. And so when my classmate turned around, the firecracker went off. So the professor got really angry and he was going to punish the, my classmate. And I raised my hand and said that he was innocent, that I was the one who had put there the firecracker and that it was just an accident. He had stepped on it. So got a suspension for one day. I went home and, uh, you know, shared the suspension with my parents and explained why that had happened. Initially, my, my dad wasn't super pleased with that. And he threatened like a big additional punishment. And my mother stepped in and said that number one, I was already being punished by the school. And number two, if I was getting in further punishment, I was being taught a lesson that the next time that I run the risk of getting caught and I have an opportunity of not getting caught, I should just be quiet and not take on my responsibility. You know, my father agreed with my mom and I only got the suspension from the school and a very minor punishment from my parents. But it was a great lesson for me to think about how I wanted to lead my teams and, and how I want to interact with my clients. So one of my key principles with my clients is to always be extremely transparent. If there's an issue, if there's a problem, don't try to hide it, tell them directly. And I also encourage my teams when, who work with me to have that mindset. You know, I let them know, look, if there's a problem, Come and bring it up to me. You, you know, you, you should not be afraid. If you make a mistake, we all make mistakes. You should not be afraid to come and share that mistake. And I believe that that creates much better cultures in teams and in organizations. A really important principle that I try to live by and incorporate in my leadership. is probably one of the most important traits of my mom. My mom lived in service of others almost to a fault there was nothing that brought her joy like being able to do something for somewhere else seeing somebody else be happier or in a better condition as a result of something that she did it was something that she believed in from a you know small world if you will like you know helping people around her helping family it, it was also a view that she had overall around society that we should work to help other people And I'm going to take a digression here, but it's really important. When I was two years old, my younger brother Guido died of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. For those who are not familiar with it, SIDS is the number one cause of death among children under one year. I think the causes are better known now, but for a really long time they weren't. And the way that it manifested itself is you have a perfectly healthy baby between three and 10 11 months you put the baby to sleep and then the next morning you wake up to a dead baby as you can imagine it's a pretty traumatic event in the life of people it was something that was not very well known or understood or popular for a really long time when my other brother and i became teenagers my mom got involved with the italian association of uh, parents of SIDS victims. Her work for the association covered three areas, primarily some fundraising to help doctors that were doing research on the topic, talking to parents who had just lost their kids and had gone through that traumatic event, and then generally raising awareness about what SIDS in society, because one of the biggest problems caused by SIDS is that because the child is perfectly healthy before the event it's very easy for parents to get stigmatized to get blamed for the loss of the child and that happens both within their personal life but there's also like a very real there was at the time in italy a very real issue which is that you know every hospital in italy has police in the er who are responsible for investigating when there's a casualty and many times a parent who had just walked out from having their child pronounced dead, would then have to go through an interrogation where there was an assumption that they were to blame. And so my mother and, and her other partner in the association, which was very small, fought really hard and managed finally to, to get a judge to issue a ruling that police who were, who were staying at hospitals at ERs would be trained on what SIDS was so that they could behave accordingly when a case came in. So I apologize for this aggression, but this is a really important part of what my mother did and like of me really seeing her in the act of service and seeing how she dealt with other parents. There was a something amazing right after my mother died. A couple of people that I had never met reached out to me and told me that they were Sid's parents who had spoken to my mom right after they had lost their child and that talking to her had given them the hope and the strength to have another kid so it was i think an important digression for me to make to acknowledge what i learned from her and the impact that actions can have on the people around you but there's also another really important component of the idea of being in service of two others that has greatly influenced the way that I think about leadership. Now if you have listened to one of the two episodes back in 2021 when I was interviewed about my story, you may recall that my father was a CEO so I want to acknowledge the fact that this is a this principle is really coming from both my parents not just from my mother. It's the idea that as you become a leader, and as you progress more in your leadership role, and as you get more power, your job is to serve those around you, to serve those that have less power than you do. And that, you know, as a leader of an organization, your role is really to make sure that the organization prospers to benefit everybody that is involved in the organization your employees, your clients, your vendors who depend on your business and to keep their stakeholders around you. And then of course, the community that you're a part of. I'm now going to move on to the next principle. And some people may argue that these are two separate principles, but I do think that they go together. And when they go together, they reinforce each other and they actually result in better outcomes. And it's the idea of being accountable and taking ownership and then persisting and not giving up i've seen this in different instances modeled and just i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about like the two simplest one if you will the idea of taking ownership is the fact that every time my mom saw a problem she would go and fix it it wouldn't it wasn't something that she would try to pass on to other people in many ways actually in our old more extended Family, she was the person that people went to for help with problems. And then the second part of it was the way that I was parented, where I was always told that, you know, I had to, in certain situations, I I had to be comfortable and manage the situation myself. And that could be as a child, as a kid, if I got into conflicts with other kids, my mom would not step in to resolve them or... You know, if I got a bad grade because I would not done my homework or something like that, my mom would think, well, that's something that you need to resolve and, and work yourself through with your professors and your teachers. The other part of the principle that is really important is the idea of persistence, of not giving up. After the first attempt that something fails, right? So if if, if a problem is difficult, you still own ownership of that problem. And if the first attempt doesn't work, give it a second attempt or give it a third attempt. And I think what a, that is left, and I know there are many people who have the same kind of feeling, you know, that uncomfortable feeling when you know that something is difficult. And you don't want to do it, but you know there's something inside of you that forces you to do it because you know that it's the right thing to do. And you know that if you push just a little harder, it will get done. I apply that in the way that I work with other people. There's a part of me that has that expectation in the other people. But if you connect this to the idea that you know, as a leader, your role is to serve the people who are working with you. I think where that applies to me is that ultimately the final responsibility, the final accountability for a decision lies with me. And that the way that I think about it is my team owns the wins and I own the consequences of the losses. You know, as 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 the leader, my role is... If we're in a risky situation, if we're in a difficult situation, to tell the people that are working with me, go and take that step. If this doesn't work, I own it as your leader. And, you know, I'm fully embracing it and taking it on as my responsibility for the success of the team. And so if something goes wrong, I will own the consequences. So we're now to the final and most important point. And I think that If you can do this in your life and as a leader, you will do a lot of good for the people and you will have a lot of success. And it's the idea that when you're raising a child, when you're leading a team, when you're working with friends, with peers, there are going to be situations where the other person does something that's wrong or that doesn't work. And there may be consequences for that action. But that the consequences are only related to that issue. Like, I cannot tell you how many times my mom would say to me, I am angry at you because you did this. But I'm just angry because you did this. I still love you just as much. She viewed her role as a parent. As, you know, she she viewed like basically the fact that she loved me unconditionally and that that love went along with the criticism when I did something wrong, like gave me, I think, a security and and, and a safety and, and a confidence and a comfort that I could do things that didn't work out. That the consequence for something working out was not losing her love as a parent that the consequence was not catastrophic. And I think that when I think about working a team, leading a team, putting the people who work with you in a condition to take courageous actions, to take risky decisions, to be transparent, to be able to say that, what's at stake is just that specific action, just that specific topic, but that the relationship and their overall status are not at stake, creates an environment where people can be more successful. They can truly be themselves and they can actually give you the best of themselves. So I hope that as you listen to these principles and how I connect them to my mother, you find your own way into finding your own principle as how you want to act, how you want to lead, how you want to work with people, how you want to relate to the people in your life. And hopefully this has been helpful to you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Audible, please leave us a stellar rating and a review. Stick around because after the credits, I'm going to play a song by Susan Catania, one of Boston's best Americana singer-songwriters. Make sure you go to the website, al4ep.com, spelled with the number 4, you can email me at dino at al4ep.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. The handle in both places is at al4edp with the letter D. And on Facebook, look for authentic leadership for everyday people. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by Nicolas Catania, who also played keyboards and drums with Tony Savrino on guitar and Jesse Willems on bass. And now, as promised, here's a song by Susan Catania. We're going into Mother's Day, so I'm going to play a beautiful song that she wrote about the relationship between mothers and daughters. It's called Borrowed Blue.
1: Brothers and daughters cut from the same cloth We promise our hearts till death do we part In front of the same God We say I love you Then we say I do Then we spend years saying I'm sorry More than we have something borrowed something We question our worth What we deserve We inhabit the same dark We say I love you Then what do we do? We put ourselves down Put ourselves last Look at our lives A half-empty glass That something borrowed. shadows are all mine. And how I love her, as mothers do. And I'll be damned if I make her carry more than she has to. Something borrowed.